If you have your Bibles, join me back in 1 Peter chapter 3, the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. We're continuing our, serv- our sermon series on marriage and family, and last week we, uh, we spoke to the wives and we shared some scriptural principles from the first six verses of chapter 3 to the wives, but as promised, it's the guy's turn. And so last week we looked at a word to the wives, and this week this message is entitled, Help for Husbands. And as many wives would give a hearty amen to, sometimes we need a lot of help. And so, Peter picks up this passage in verse 7 by saying, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, why the guys get one verse and the wives had six, I'm not really sure. I don't think we should try to read too much into that. Probably Peter knew that things had to be concisely stated and boiled down for the men and uh, and just put it in simple terms as possible. So here he lays it out. As simply as can be, he says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. He starts off with the word likewise, just like he did with with the wives in verse 1. Likewise, what he's saying is he's tying it in to the verses that have gone before it. And in in a sense, he's saying, husbands, in, in the same way that we challenge the wives and call the wives to live faithfully and endure uh, difficulty and hardship that can sometimes come in marriage for the sake of the gospel, so too we want you to do the same thing. And so, as we look at these verses, there are a few principles that uh, I wrote down. Some of these uh, I, I borrowed from a great message I heard by James McDonald. Um, and so, as, as you're uh, uh, following along with the notes, make sure you jot these down, especially men. Uh, get, get those pens out and make some notes. Uh, First of all, from these verses, I see that we need to spend time with your wife. Spend time with your wife. It says, uh, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. That word live is a Greek word that means more than just just hanging out or or being with, but it, it goes deeper than that. And it's talking about how to conduct yourself in relation to a person that you live with. In a sense, he's, he's saying you're more than just sharing a roof. This is a person who is more than just a roommate. He's saying do life together. Walk through this life in unity, serving and loving one another. One writer says it means more than uh, dwelling together, in clo- or it means dwelling together in a close relationship. Physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. We husbands too easily substitute making a good living and providing physical needs for sharing their time, their words, their feelings. But this kind of a close relationship is necessary necessary to truly live with our wives. We need to make time, guys, to give ourselves wholly and undividedly to our wives. This means truly spending time together, putting down the newspaper, turning off the TV, and giving her your undivided attention each and every day. In fact, James McDonald 
uh, said he has kind of this rule, and I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago in, in, our, in our Bible study, but I, mis, I misquoted it. He said his principle is he wants to give his wife 15 minute, at least 15 minutes a day, one evening a week, one day a month, and one weekend a year, where he is, he is putting aside everything else and making sure that she knows that she has his full attention. I think that's a good principle. When your kids are at home, I know that this is a difficult thing to do. Fifteen minutes a day can seem like impossible to, to carve out with no kids running around and, and actually just listening and talking. But God calls us to live with our wives, not just to coexist, not just to share the same roof, but to do life together. Secondly, he says to study your wife. Study your wife. He says, live with your wife in an understanding way. Live with your wife in an understanding way. Take time to get to know what makes your wife tick, guys. How does she think? What's important to her? What does she value? What are the things that make her laugh? What are the things that make her cry? What are the things that she wants to invest time and resources in? Take time to study your wife. Find out what is meaningful for her. Live with your wife in an understanding way. This is a lifetime commitment here. A lifetime job. On Wednesday, my wife and I will be celebrating our 15th wedding anniversary. And and I like to think that I've learned at least a few things. But there are so many things that I still haven't figured out. And sometimes I'll just tell her that. Honey, I I thought this this is what you would want. And I... I, I just can't figure you out. And she'll just laugh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I like it that way. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be trying. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't work at it. There, if, we, if we took time to study our wives, guys, there might be some things that we would pick up. We might pick up, first of all, that when she says nothing's wrong, we know that nothing never means nothing. If we took time to study our wives, we would realize just how much sacrifice and planning means to her. If she knows that you've taken time to find a sitter, to pick a restaurant, to carve out an evening, that, that is meaningful to our wives. Sacrifice and planning are significant. We also might discover that women are bugged by things that guys never notice. I hope you've learned this if you've been married more than a few months. That, that just because when you were in college, you could let things grow in the refrigerator that no Ph.D. scientist could even identify, doesn't mean that your wife is down with that. Your wife can, can spot clothes on the floor and dishes in the sink that, that you would just normally and maybe uh, have always walked right past. Take time to get to know the things that, that bug your wife a little bit and try to, try to cut them off at the pass. How can I help serve her? And be a blessing to her in this way. If we took time to study our wives, we'd also know that genuine compliments are never wasted. Taking time to let our wife know uh, how good she looks or being specific. That you like, like a particular necklace or like a particular dress. Taking time to notice the work she did at the house while you were gone at work. And, and making sure that you recognize and, and let her know how significant that is. 
If we studied our wife and, and wives and, and learned what, what makes her tick, we also might know what is truly helpful to her, what is truly a blessing. When you get home from work, maybe your wife wants you to go out in the garage and work on the garage door that's, that's not working. Maybe she does. But maybe more than anything, she wants you to, to, to take the kids and, and run them outside to play or take them to the McDonald's play place so she could have a few minutes to just, just relax in some peace and quiet. Take time to ask your wife, what would be a blessing to you right now? Would you like me to go out and work on the garage? Or, or, or do you want me to help with the kids right now? Do you want me to do dishes? Or, or do you want me to take the baby upstairs and, and, and play with him so that he's, he's not whining down here? What is it that, that makes your wife tick? Take time to study your wife. Thirdly, honor your wife. The passage says... Um, Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. The Bible says that we need to show honor to our wives. Men, do you do things that communicate that your wife is valuable to you? Do you do things that, that show her that, that she is precious to you? Do you honor your wife or, or do you take her for granted? Do you just assume that the laundry is going to get done and folded and in the drawers? Or do you just assume that the, the kitchen's going to get clean and... And uh, necessary repairs are going to be made in the house. I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know what your wife does, but, but maybe she's the handy one in the house. And, uh, do, do, you, do you take advantage of her? Do you, do you take her for granted? This word means to show honor and reverence and value. What do you do that shows honor to your wife? Husbands, we are called to, to love our wives, to treat them as precious, as God's daughters, as, as, as ones who, who we're supposed to take care of gently and lovingly. Ephesians chapter 5 has so much to say about this, but verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I want, men, I want you to just take 15 minutes this week and meditate on that verse, Ephesians 5.25. Because if we take any time to peel back the layers and think about this, it gets really, really convicting. God calls us to love our wives the same way that, that Jesus loves the church. Is there anything that Jesus would not do for you, has not done for you? Jesus gave himself. Philippians chapter 2 says he, he set aside all his own prerogatives. He didn't come with his own mission, with his own plans to fulfill. But he came sacrificially and humbly and, and gave himself, gave his own life for the church. Some of the husbands here are like, I'd do that in a heartbeat. I'd, I'd, I'd take a bullet for my wife. I, I, don't, I don't make her go down when there's a bump in the night. I, I'm, a, I'm a tough guy. I would, I would gladly give my, wife, my life for my wife. I'd, I'd gladly sacrifice my life. But that's easy to say, but, but when we won't even give up a 15 minutes of TV time to do a chore that we hate, to, to demonstrate love, that, that's not being sacrificial. This idea of, yeah, I'd give my life is, is a great idea. But sacrifice during the week in practical ways, in ways that are meaningful to her. Let her know that she has great value to her, to you. 
There are things that we can do as we're showing honor. We can let her know that her opinion matters. The Bible does call us men as, as heads of the home, but that doesn't mean that, that we're to disregard what our wives have to say. You and I both know that our wives have keen insight and wisdom that, in, in the situations and matters that we'll never ever tap into. They can see perspectives and angles on things that, that we'll never ever look at. That's why God has given us wives to complement our gifts because we don't have the full range of gifts we need to do life and ministry. And God knows that he's, he's put the right woman in our life to help us when we're totally missing the boat. Listen to your wives. Show her that her opinion matters. Cultivate her gifts. Look for ways to let her use her gifts for the glory of God to serve other people. I remember... Uh, one of the things that I had to struggle with early on in, in marriage is uh, my wife loves to give. She's a very generous person, whether it's with her time or, or with resources. And, and, and I, I, I struggle with being more stingy. And so there were times when my wife would, would want, to, want to give something away, would want to bless somebody. And I would think, listen, but think about what we could do with that. I think we, we could have a date night. We'd go out to eat with that money. And, and she would want to put it in an envelope and give it to somebody she knew needed it. And I would be kind of grumpy about it and, and dragging my feet about it. Well, honey, but we could use that. And I, and I had to learn that she had, she had a gift that I was squelching. And, and on top of that, I was, I was being disobedient to God's word by not being a generous person. And, and she has taught me over the years so much about this area. But if, if, we, if we squelch our wives, if we box them in and don't let those gifts thrive, we're, we're setting up uh, and creating a recipe for, for a difficult marriage. Affirm what your wife does. Affirm her work. Praise her. Compliment her for the things she does. Especially if she's a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home wife. It can, be, it can be easy to begin to think what you don't do or what you do is, is not of any value. I'm not bringing home money. I'm, I'm not really doing anything that's visible to people outside. That's, it's not all that significant. As her husband, it's your job to let her know that's not true. That what she is doing is of incredible value. Whether she works outside the home or within the home, affirm your wife and let her know that what she is doing is important. Finally, we can honor our wife and love our wife by letting her know that, that there's no other relationship that eclipses the love and the value you have for your wife. Listen, guys, if, if when we are caught in a hard spot and we have something that, that we need to wrestle with, if we're running to our mom for advice before we're talking to our wife, that's, that's a huge problem. It's not that you can't talk to your parents still and, and ask them for input and insight. But make sure that your wife knows that her opinion and the who she is, is is more valuable to you than any other relationship with you have. Listen, husbands, God calls us to be the loving leaders in our homes, to be the kind of men that teach our children that, that women are to be cherished and honored. And as we lovingly lead in our homes, we need to make sure that we have a biblical view of what this headship is. So as, as we show honor to our wife, first of all, we're not falling into a rut 
of being domineering. There's some guys that think by being the head of the home, that gives them the right to just huff and puff and, and storm around the house doing what they want, getting their own way, ordering people around. That's not leadership. That's not headship. There are some of us then who, who, who fall into the other rut, who out of deference to our wife and wanting to be able to, what we think is, is, is showing them honor, we, we put all the burden on them. We're unwilling to make any decisions. We, we, every time the kids come to us with something, it's a, well, ask your mom. And we're, we're, we're lazy and we abrogate that leadership that God has called us to. There's, there's two different ditches that we can fall into as, as men. And we need to be very, very careful about that, constantly looking. Am I, a, am I a tyrant in the home? Do I rule with an iron fist? Not giving my wife uh, any say? Or, or am I in the other boat where I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm always deferring. I can't make a decision. I'm always saying, well, you decide. You pick it out, honey. You, you, you tell me what, what you want to do. God calls us as men to lovingly lead. To be the kind of leaders in our home that, that value our wives' opinions and honor our wives. But at the end of the day, if a decision needs to be made, we're willing to make it and we're willing to, to take the fall if, if, if there's fallout. We need to lead. Brian Chappell said that biblical headship is simply the exercise of a God-given authority whereby a man does all that's within his power to see that love, justice, and mercy rule in his home even where fostering such qualities requires his own personal sacrifice. God calls us to love our wives as Christ has loved the church. And that involves a great deal of sacrifice, putting her needs ahead of ours. And when we do that, we not only honor her, we not only model to our children a godly spirit, but we we honor God by being obedient to Him. Fourthly, men... We are called to protect our wives. We're called to protect our wives. The Bible says in verse 7 here, Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to women as the weaker vessel. It's important to understand that Peter is not communicating that women are somehow inferior to men. That it goes against the flow and the teaching of the New Testament, throughout the New Testament, The Bible has constantly been exalting women, whether you read Paul or Jesus or you you read Peter's words. It goes against the cultural flow of that time, which would have said women are second-class citizens, inferior to men. And, And the Bible has said, no, that's not the case. That in Christ there's neither Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, Paul told the Galatians. This is not teaching that women are inferior in any way. But he's reminding us to recognize the physical and emotional differences. We understand that God has designed men's bodies typically to be bigger and stronger than our wives. I know maybe some of you are sitting out there, but you haven't seen my sister-in-law. This lady's a bodybuilder. Okay, I know that there are probably ladies in this room who could beat me in an arm wrestling match. I'm not going to deny that. But by and large, Peter is recognizing that, that men, we have, we have a, a physical uh, a presence that if we're not careful and not living the way that God wants us to, we can use that in a way that intimidates or bullies our wives. Sometimes our demeanor and our presence 
can be such that our, that our wives, God forbid, feel afraid of us. Listen, men, if, if when you get angry, your wife is afraid of you, there is a problem. And I want to say that if ever, if ever, men, if you have to use your physical presence in any way, maybe it's a piercing look, a raised voice, a puffing up of your chest, or God forbid, if you've got to lay your hands on your wife, you are a coward. And I want, to, I want you to hear this loud and clear. If you've got to use your physical presence to bully and intimidate your wife, you need to repent today and get help immediately. Because there is not one of us in this room that has any cause for any reason to lay our hands upon our wives except for in a loving embrace. And if you struggle with that, I want you to first of know that I want you, first of all, to know that that's sin, and it needs to be repented of. I want you also to know that there is grace and forgiveness, and that there's help out here. Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday nights is going to be celebrating their two-year anniversary. And if you struggle with your anger and getting it under control, and if when, when Dad gets mad, everybody runs and hides, get help. Please, get help. Your wife and kids should not be afraid of you when you're upset about something. But we can also struggle with this, with not just our, our demeanor and our presence and our, our physical presence, but even with our words. We can use our words to bully and cut and demean. And maybe your, your favorite means of humor is sarcasm. And, and there may be places that that's okay when you're with the guys at work at the shop and you can do it in an appropriate way. But by and large, and again, I know I'm generalizing here, but by and large I've discovered that that, that our wives don't appreciate sarcasm quite as much as the guys might on the golf course. <laughs> or I still remember early on when we were married, um, my wife, one of her phrases, and it still has to, she has, still has to pull it out every now and then, she'll say to me, she'll look at me and say, Honey, I'm not one of your brothers. And that's her gentle reminder that I, I don't appreciate the way that you're being sarcastic right now. I don't appreciate you picking on me as you would one of your brothers. Please be a little gentler right now. And I have to back off and dial it back and be reminded that we're supposed to gently, lovingly care for and protect our wives. And of course, this is also speaking of physical protection. That means that from now on, guys, when when there's that noise downstairs, go down, okay, don't send your wife. It means that you're looking for ways... To make sure that she's physically safe. Giving her security. You know, you, you got to go out of town. Make, make sure that she's safe and secure. You got someone checking up on her at the house. You're, you're calling and, and, and making sure she and the kids are safe. Do things so that she feels safe physically. And then finally, we need to connect with our... We need to connect spiritually with our wives. We need to connect spiritually with our wives. He says, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Guys, 
We and our wives are in this race together. We should be running together for the glory of God, to persevere and endure for the sake of the gospel call. And one of the things that God calls us to is to to be the spiritual leaders in the home. That means, men, we should be praying with our wives. I know that some of you don't like to pray out loud. You feel nervous and uncomfortable. I'm not calling you today to, to, to do it up front of the church or to do it in a big class. I'm just exhorting you to pray with your wife. Get alone. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out prayer with these and thous. Just, just pray with and for your wife. Ask her at the beginning of her day, what do you need prayer for today, honey? What's going on at work or what, what's happening with the kids that, that we need to pray for? Don't let her be the one that has to nag you with that. Take the lead. Pray with your wife. Go to church with your wife. Don't let her be the one dragging you here. Help get up early. Help her iron the clothes. Get the kids ready. Get everybody out the door. Be the spiritual leader in your home. Encourage your wife with the Word of God. That that assumes that that you're studying it yourself, that you're spending time with your Lord and Savior. Share something with your wife. It doesn't have to be a sermon. I've discovered that wives aren't necessarily too keen on those. I have to save them for Sunday mornings. (laughs) By the way, kids kids aren't either. Dad, you're preaching again. All right. But, but share something with your wife. You know, honey, I, I was just reading this morning in 1 Peter. and God was just really encouraging me with this. I just wanted to read these two verses to you this morning. Encourage your wife. Build her up. We should live with our wives in such a way that we strive together to help them thrive spiritually to develop and use their gifts to the glory of God. And then the, the final clause of this verse, the final phrase, comes with a bit of a warning. He says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I want you to know that all of what he has said here in this verse has far-reaching implications because it affects our relationship with God. Men, the way that we treat our wives affects our relationship with God. We, We can't separate the two. We can't be a jerk and a bully all week long and then come to church and expect to have wonderful worship and, 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 and share things with, with the guys in our Sunday school class and come across as all spiritual. It's all fake and phony if we're not living it under our roof during the week. And he says, listen men, if we don't honor our wives this, the, the way that we're supposed to, God will not hear us. God will shut the doors of heaven to your prayers if you do not love your wife the way that God calls you to. It's serious business. Because some of us want the relationship with God and love to talk about His grace and how much He cares for us and how much He loves us. But we're absolute 
morons at home. And we, we don't care for our wives. We don't honor them. We don't protect them. We don't lead them lovingly and graciously. We don't sacrifice for that. Every, everything about us has to be about us and about what we want. And God says, if you live like that at home, He doesn't hear your prayers. And maybe you've been wondering, why, why isn't this prayer get answered? What, what's going on here? I, I've been praying about this forever, and there's nothing. Maybe, I mean, there's lots of reasons why God may not answer prayer, but maybe, just maybe, one of those reasons is because you're not being the kind of husband that God has called you to be. Maybe you're out there thinking, this is hopeless. <laughs> I can't measure up to this stuff. I'm just one person. I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm messed up, and I know it, but uh, I can't. How am, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to be this guy? First of all, <laughs> you're right. You can't measure up. But the great thing is, is that there is one who has measured up on your behalf. Jesus Christ died for my sin of being a bum of a husband. God sent his son to die for, for my selfishness, my self-centeredness, my propensity to, to be a, a lazy leader or an iron-fisted ruler in the home. Jesus died for that. He paid for those sins, praise God. He nailed those to the tree so that, so that we can be free from those sins. So that we can find forgiveness for them. And that's the first step that you need to do, guys. If God has placed his, his spiritual finger on one of these things in your heart, and maybe you think, I, I haven't honored my wife the way I need to. I haven't protected my wife the way I need to. I, 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 haven't, I haven't given her the kind of time and, and focused um, um, effort that I, I need to, God says, okay, ask forgiveness, repent. And then secondly, he wants to, you to know that there is grace. See, a godly husband isn't the man who has all these things figured out and does all these things perfectly all the time. If that were the definition of godliness, none of us would measure up. But a godly husband is one who knows he doesn't, but strives to grow in each of these areas. A godly husband knows that when, he's, when he sees that he's neglecting to honor his wife or to open up to his wife or to listen to his wife or to spend time with his wife, a godly husband won't rationalize, he won't blame shift, he won't put it aside. A godly husband will repent, he'll ask his wife's forgiveness, and he'll seek to grow and mature and be the kind of husband that he would want his own daughters to marry. So guys, I want to give you a few points of application. First of all, this week... I want you to sit down with your wife and I want you to write down four qualities that you appreciate most about your spouse. And then I want you to let her know what those are and just how much she means to you. Let your spouse know that you desire to honor her. Secondly, using these verses... Pick, using this verse, pick one area, one aspect here that you know needs work, that God is convicting you of. If you're not sure, ask your wife. She will be happy to let you know. And stick with that one. Don't, don't bite them all off at once. But ask God, what is this one thing 
that I need to work on. And then finally, as he begins to point these out in your life, I want, you, I want to encourage you, find another guy. Find a man, whether it's, it's a peer or maybe preferably someone who is, who is later on in life and has learned some of these lessons maybe a little bit better than you and I have, and meet with them every other week, once a month, and, and, and look at them as a bit of a mentor. And just, just talk about marriage and life with them and get their insight. I guarantee you that there are men in this room who would be more than happy to help pour their lives into yours. Men, God has called us to a, a difficult calling. He's, he's called us to sacrifice and to love the way that Jesus does. It's a big deal. It's a big calling. But it's one that through God's grace we can fulfill. We'll have fits and starts. We'll, we'll stumble. We'll struggle at times. But by God's grace, he can, he can bring us up to be the kinds of husbands that most of us deep down really want to be. In 1981, when she was 58 years old, Muriel McQuilkin was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Her husband was a man by the name of Robertson McQuilkin. Some of you may have heard his story before. He was the president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary, and he was at the peak of his ministry he was, his speaking engagements were growing in number. His writing ministry was starting to take off. And he was beginning to have an influential uh, voice in the evangelical Christian world. But as the disease progressed, Robertson was faced with his, a decision. He would either need to put his wife in a facility where she could be taken care of full time. Or he was going to need to resign from his post as president to be able to care for her. People advised him to do the former. Stick with the job. You're impacting so many people. Your writing ministry is, is blessing thousands. Let a professional take care of your wife. But in 1990... He made the decision to resign to care for her. The reason was simple. She was agitated and fearful, went away from him when anyone else was taking care of her, but peaceful and content when he was present. At his final chapel service, in which he gave his resignation speech, he told the college, I haven't in my life experienced easy decision-making on major issues. But one of the simplest and clearest decisions I've had to make is this one. Because circumstances dictated it. Muriel now, in the last couple of months, seemed to, seems to be almost happy when with me. And almost never happy when not with me. In fact, she seems to feel trapped. Becomes very fearful. Sometimes almost terrified. 
And when she can't get to me, there can be anger. She's in distress. But when I'm with her, she's happy and contented. And so I must be with her at all times. And you see, it's not only that I promised in sickness and in health till death do us part, and I'm a man of my word. But as I said, I don't know with this group, but I've said it publicly, it's the only fair thing. She has sacrificed for me for 40 years to make my life possible. So if I cared for her for 40 years, I'd still be in debt. However, there's much more. It's not that I have to. It's that I get to. I love her very dearly. And you can tell it's not easy to talk about. She's a delight. And it's a great honor to care for such a wonderful person. McQuilkin would go on to care for his wife for another 13 years until she passed away in 2003. Even after she stopped recognizing her, him, even after she stopped responding, he would still feed her, bathe her, and do whatever he could to communicate his love. Perhaps today, men, God has not called you to such a drastic act of sacrifice and service. But I can promise that he has called you to serve your wife. Today, What is he calling you to do? In what way is he calling you to sacrificially love your wife? By God's grace, go out and do it. Let's pray. God, you have called us to a great task and and given us in marriage a great gift And as we've been talking about over the last few weeks, and by experience, we know that marriage can be difficult at times. It can be a struggle. It can turn into a battle. God, I pray that we would heed the insight from your word to make our homes the kind of homes that that honor and glorify you. And today, God, I ask for your grace in our lives as husbands to help us be the kind of loving and sacrificial leaders that you want us to be that we would step out of our selfish comfort zones and self-serving activities and hobbies and, and, and give of our lives and our time and our resources and our energy so that we can serve our wives. God, you gave your one and only Son for us. And I pray that we would follow in His footsteps by your strength to be the kind of sacrificial, loving husbands you want us to be. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.